When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, it's Fowler once again to tell you about Manscaped. Yes, sweaty sack summer is approaching and it's time for you to prioritize the comfort of your crotch. That's why the kings of comfort crotch, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. I've had the honour of testing out these new boxers. Thank you, Manscaped, for those three pairs. They're already the main three on my regular rotation. And I can say that they are the softest fabric of any underwear out there. And if I'm enjoying them, I think you should as well. It's time to invest in your family jewels. So let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping by using the code TERRACE at www.manscaped.com. I've talked to you many times about how many great products that Manscaped has, from the Lawnmower 4.0 to keep everything trim and nice, to the ball toners and deodorant to keep everything smelling nice, and also the Weed Whacker, which attacks ear and nasal hair. But you should have also heard me talk a couple of times about the boxers. I'm a huge fan of boxers like these because, unfortunately, when I wear cotton undies from time to time, they tend to get a wee bit chafing downstairs, and there is nothing worse than that. You can't be out trying to look all cool if you're walking like John Wayne because you've got some pain down there because your boxers have been rubbing against your red hot thighs and, you know, groinal area. So let me tell you about these boxers. They've got the dual pouch. That's a pouch designed to cradle your boys in their own special space lined with performative performance fabric to keep them well ventilated. The micro model fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run, strut. These moisture-wicking boxers breathe without breaking a sweat. The tagless waistband hugs your body without digging in and it lays flat against your skin to reduce chafing. And furthermore, there's a front fly opening which gives easy access, makes bathroom breaks quick and efficient. And you can choose from a range of designs and colours and sizes running from small to triple XL. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code Terrace at www.manscape.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code Terrace at www.manscape.com. Once the Boxers 2.0 touch your sack, you'll never go back.
Welcome to the latest episode of a Terra Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and I am joined today by... Ooh, is it Tony Anderson or is it Joel Sked? It's the final of these top 12s. Both of them have helped me out with them this season. It's Joel Sked. Put in audible sigh. <laughs> for, you, for you or the listener? Oh, for the listener, for the listener. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, happy to be here. That's good. That's good to hear. It's always nice to hear. Right, talk to our strikers, Joel. How did you find this list? I, f- <laughs> I found putting the found that actually quite easy to be honest. I found uh, I went f- so you put the long list um, uh, up, but I kind of just went through the the twelve teams in my head and then wrote down names. Then went on to the long list that you prepared on Y Scout and didn't add anyone to my list. Uh, the, the the names I had in my head, I think I had thirteen potentially. Uh, I, I'm trying to think who who was the one I, I got rid. Of. Oh yeah, I know the one I got uh, got rid of. So I had thirteen names and whittled it down to twelve. Putting them put them in order was relatively straightforward. I've got someone who's higher up than he probably should be. So when it comes around to it, I might change it. I had 13 that I wanted to include and I was like, oh no, I can't believe I have to leave off one of these. No one leave off any of these guys. And then I remembered I'd forgot somebody, which I thought, oh no, he might not, which I briefly, which I'll get to when I get to this player, briefly considered not having him on um, because he, the season he's had, he might not dis- necessarily deserve it. But I kind of thought, ah, overall, he, he, he probably still does deserve to be in this top 12. So then I had to get home and so then I had to bump another guy off. So there's two players that I I, would, um, I, I quite wanted to include in my final top 12 that I didn't. But yeah, I'm, really, I'm really curious. I'm really curious because there was so I've got 30 names and off my top 12, I know for a fact you definitely don't have one. So I'm yes. I'm I'm kind of at a loss to uh, to figure out which which strikers I that you have included that I've just 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 not considered at all. Right, well, let's get to it right away then. Who's your number 12? My number 12 is... Nadir Chifji. Who's your real number 12? <laughs> I really wish it was. Honestly, I really wish it was. Uh, my, <laughs> my number 12 is Christian Ramirez. Sneaking. Sneaking <laughs> in. Boo! Yeah, this is the guy. This like because we we discussed this briefly beforehand. This is the guy I do not have in my top twelve. Didn't even come into consideration for my top fifteen. Might not even have sneaked into my top twenty. Pitch. That's uh, that that that's mental because there's some of the shit on this long list. Um, <laughs> he is he is there for goals and the goals he scored and the goals alone. So he scored like thirteen in the league. Uh, a lot of them came. Uh, a lot of them. Very few came within the final third of the season. When he first arrived, and it was thirteen goals in his first season in the Scottish Premiership. I think it's, I think it's a very good return. However, when he first arrived, and I watched him um, uh, both in both in Europe, he pressed against Hacken, but every Aberdeen player impressed against Hacken in the home leg. But the the more I watched him um, uh, in the first few league games and in, in, in Europe, I was. He was, he was scoring goals, but there was something about him that I just, I just didn't think was was, was quite was was clicking. And then the more, so he, he he had a good a good run of goals, but the more I watched him, the more I just thought he is a very very limited striker. Now, if it wasn't for his goals, he would be nowhere near 
this uh, th- this list. I think he is going to be leaving Aberdeen this season. I, d- I just don't I don't see him as a Jim Goodwin striker because I don't think he's a striker who really engages the oppositions. Uh, he's got one of the, the f- so not only is he one of the fewest. Um, as the fewest offensive duels per ninety, I think at five point zero eight, but it's one of the he's got the worst one of the worst uh, success rates at twenty three point six, and then he only has one point one. Oh no, I think um, I think it's one point one seven successful offensive actions per ninety. That might be I might be wrong with that one, but I think that gives you a picture of what he is. He needs service to score goals and be the player he is. He's not a I don't think think he's a great build up striker. His touch is very um very erratic. I think he would eventually be found. I don't think he would score as many goals next season he would as he did this season. So he sneaks in there on goals, goals alone. I don't think he's a very good striker. <laughs> I didn't rate everybody on my list so <laughs> um, I, I so was like, looking at some of the other names. I think I think I would have had a number seventeen overall. So who? I'm just trying to think who you would have. St- Nicky Clark, no. Kevin Van no. Veen was Kevin Van Veen was one I was going to consider, but he's so inconsistent. Uh, you could I didn't include any of the hip strikers because I think Nisbet. I think he's I, I really like Nisbet, but um, he has not had a good season. Deutsch as barely played and when he has he's just looked like a shadow of the player he was Danny Mullen uh, Eamon Brophy don't think he's had a great season Marley Watkins has been good for Aberdeen when he's played Jordan White is really limited Cedric Kittens barely played Effort for Motherwell nope James Scott don't don't give me a laugh Uh, Alex Greaves Alex Alex Greaves I would have above him Um, I'd I'd actually put I forgot about Watkins I'm going to put him down to 18 now Um, there's some some guys you named there who I wouldn't have ahead of him Nicky Clark maybe yeah wouldn't have Nicky Clark ahead of him Um, but there was only one player there you said it was on my list so be interesting to see uh, how we go as we as we progress into this. My number twelve. Oh, sorry. Actually, actually, maybe talk about why I don't, I don't like. Um, no, when you said it himself, kind of, I don't really want to watch that. And Ramirez, uh, he's very slow. Yep. He, he he doesn't. Really, he's not really a great player. He's not bad at holding the ball up. Um, and that's and yeah, you can score goals if given chances, but that's about it. And he only played well for, and even then, not tremendously well. But he only played well for half a season, and that's just not enough for me. And like you say, I'll be away in the summer anyway, so but, you know, he'll be, be somebody that I'll forget within the next twenty-four months. Literally, he's in there for goal. I don't think. I, I just I need to reiterate. I don't think he's a very good football player. Right, my number twelve is Johnson striker Callum Hendry. Oh, <laughs> that's harsh. <laughs> you think it's- you're thinking too low. Well, listen to this. This is why I've got him 12. Because he could be higher. You he must have some shit higher. on your list, honestly. Fuck you now. It could be higher than this, but... I feel like I've seen this movie before with Callum Hendry. We saw it in the second half of... Or, or throughout most of the... Well, particularly the second half, but throughout most of the truncated 2019-2020 season, where he really kind of came into his own with somebody that... Kind of, could you kind of you can see it even like in the early days of St. Johnson when they signed him, although it wasn't, you know, although he wasn't particularly good, you kind of see that the attributes that were there. He's somebody that could, 
somebody that could shift but was also big. He maybe could get himself kind of a regular goal threat. He was somebody who you knew could also create for others as well. And that kind of all came together towards the end of that season. Callum Davidson then seemed to build the team around him and it really didn't work. Um, the last campaign, he went alone to Aberdeen where he was the best of a bad bunch in strikers had signed in January. But Aberdeen fans weren't exactly, you know, oh, no, I really wish we, we, we re-signed Henry to, uh, to like a permanent deal, so that didn't happen. He goes back to St. Johnson, gets a little chance at the start of the season again, doesn't really do much. Then goes alone to Killy, where in a league below, he was all right. But mm, not but great. I, thought, I think that's. I think all right is harsh. I think, uh, I think Kelly's he was all fine. right for Kelly. I don't think he was great for Kelly. It, it wasn't like it wasn't like a loan deal that you thought. Right, that's it. He's got his confidence back. He's going to come smash it up at St. Johnson. When he was going back to St. Johnson, I don't think he was going to make any impact really. But he was excellent, excellent in the second half of the season. One of the bi- one of the biggest reasons why they stayed up in the end. A very valuable player to Callum Davidson and that St. Johnson team in the second half of the campaign. But let me just see this, Callum. Before I'm going to anoint you as like number eight or seven on like a list such as this, let me see it for more than a few months at a time. Because we've seen this before and he's forming it in the toilet at the start of the next season. So let's see it again. If he plays, if he, well, I doubt he'll stick around. Yeah, he's out of contract. But if he sticks around in the Scotch top flight, let's get another campaign of you playing. Let's get a full campaign of you playing like this. And then we can start to talk about him being deserved to be a lot higher on this list because it's just... Not enough consistent output. He's got flashes where he looks like one of the best strikers in the league. But right now, those are flashes and therefore not enough for me to go above 12. They, so when you say when you said a lot higher on the list, I don't have them a lot higher. I have them 10th. But... <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, that's harsh. <laughs> Fucking hell, two positions. Still, it's, it's, it's very harsh for Callum Henry to have him 12th. He's, he's a player, so I may as well talk about him now. He's, he, he's a player I would love to see at Tyne Castle next season. I think he has... He's, he, he, I think there's uh, there's raw elements to him, but I think he's got all the... Uh, he, he's got a lot of the qualities that you want from a striker. And I do see... I, there's, there's something I'm, I kind of see London Dykes-esque. I can think he can be a handful. He can run in behind. He can run the channels. He can uh, he can link up play. He can score goals as well. I think the, the goal the other night against Inverness in the in the playoff final was 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 lovely. Okay, Mark Ridgers didn't stand up uh, that well, but uh, kind of shows there's different kind of styles to his, his finishing. And I just think he's he can be a real handful. And do yes, he does need he does need that. Um, Kind of to be the focal point in a, a run of games, maybe Hearts is the the right move from for that. But I I do think there is a, a tremendous striker in uh, in Callum Hendry. Okay, so who's your number eleven? My number eleven is Bruce Anderson. I have him one place higher. Yeah, and I've got him as my number ten. Uh, Bruce Anderson has it's been a great. He's one. I think uh, Tony and I have, uh, have banged on about this in the group chat. Both of us felt that he was the ideal signing for Livingston. From what he did at Hamilton last season, he just he just seemed to thrive and be given the confidence that perhaps he wasn't at Pataudry. It can be. It can be a handful. As in, he's mobile. He's he's always on the move. He is a, a good. I think he's a good finisher. I think he showed that he's capable of a good finisher. Uh, that he's he's goal conversion. I think he's got one of the best uh, goal conversions in the league. Uh, he's number one from strikers. Uh, was for he number strikers, one? Number one. 
yeah, uh, so I think he basically scores a third of his shots, which is which is excellent. And he's got three assists as well. It's surprisingly he's, he, he doesn't get involved in uh, too many offensive duels. Again, the way Livingston play he might. Um, it's because it's because he's not good in the air at all. Yeah, so he's he's, he's small, he's small, but he makes up for it in uh, in other ways. He's the type of player that, as a defender, you just can't. He, he, he can't kind of just switch. You can't even switch on off for a second because he will he'll, he'll run in behind. And the, the best thing to say about him is that he's always he's always alert. He's always ready to pounce. Uh, scored double figures, and yeah, I think he's. Uh, I'm glad to see what he's done because I thought he was very good for Hamilton in bits when he went on loan last season. And I always felt there was a there was a good striker in uh, in Bruce Anderson and. Again, I think he would have scored a few more goals, but injury issues um, were um, not problematic. But there were there were a few this season which limited his game time. In bits is the key word to his. Yes, that's not, not a word, does it? In bits is the key phrase to his Hamilton days because he did look good to start with, and I think kind of felt that he then just kind of. Regressed in the background quite a bit once they, they started having injuries to their big men last season. So Marius Ogunpo and David Moyle, I think, both got injured at the same time. And he was having to play up front alongside, I think it's Cammy Smith. Was it not quite a lot of time? Not Cammy Smith. Is it Cammy Smith? There's too many Smiths in Scottish football. The boy that plays up Callum, front for Callum Smith. Callum, was it Cal- Smith. Callum Smith, yeah. Yeah, Callum Smith, hi. So I played up front with him and it just didn't really work out as much and I kind of thought, right, so he's only really somebody that kind of, he has to have like a big player beside them. And then so when Livy signed him, you kind of thought, well, Livy going to be playing him up front on his own for a lot of the season. I don't see how that's going to work out. And I tipped at the start of the season that I didn't think Bruce Anderson was going to be Livingston's striker. I thought Jack Hamilton had a better chance of doing so because he was coming back from a very fruitful loan spell or both the season before he then went consequently back on loan or both. But also that he was just he just somebody that in, in just in terms of his makeup um, just looked to me somebody that would fit Livingston's style a bit more. But Anderson's fit very well. Yeah, he gives him as you say maybe doesn't get involved in a lot of kind of aerial duels, but he's somebody that annoys defenders. He covers a lot of he makes a lot of very intelligent runs around the final third, not only to get himself into scoring positions, but also to set up teammates as well. As well as the number one overall for strikers for goal conversion percentage, he was number six for expected assists per 90. And I think he was the only one that wasn't a Celtic Rangers player in the top six from memory. So that's very impressive as well. And he's quite good at taking players on as well. So he's got a lot going for him. And fair play to him, because I, I didn't see it happening coming into this campaign. But he's, he's proved me wrong, and he certainly proved Derek McKinnis wrong. <laughs> yes, and uh, Callum Hendry, uh, Callum Hendry as well. Or, but did he prove McInnes wrong? McInnes signed them. Anyway, uh, who's who's your um, who's your number ten? Because no, that was my number ten. My number eleven. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, my number eleven is something you don't have in your list because you said already you left them out, and that was the only player I think you mentioned, Kevin Nisbet. Uh, yeah, obviously didn't have a great season. Uh, eventually cut short by a knee injury. It'd be interesting to see what it looks like when he comes back from that. But I still think. Still think he's a very good player. Put it this way, and I was kind of thinking, I was thinking about him, so I just didn't consider Ramirez, and I think it's wild you've got Ramirez in instead of him. But, like, if you compare, so other guys I thought of who didn't make it for me, Joel Newblay didn't make it, 
and Kevin Van Veen didn't make it. And I nearly had Van Veen, and Van Veen was a player I dropped out for this bit. And I just kind of thought, if I was starting a team tomorrow and I had the option to sign one of the two, who would I sign? And I compare it to new players as well, who would I sign? It's Kevin Nisbet all day long. Uh, yes, he, he didn't have a great campaign, but a lot of that was... A lot of that was kind of his... I thought his confidence took a real dip this campaign. I still think he's maybe not quite recovered from not getting the movie what he did in the January window when he put in the, the transfer request, although he did kind of... His form did pick up towards the end of, of last season again after he had a wee kind of spell out the side and wasn't quite firing on all cylinders. And there is, there is, I suppose, an argument to be made that he might have just had a really kind of purple patch riding the, the confidence that he had first coming up from the Championship where he'd scored shitloads of goals, having, then, having previously scored shit goals, goals in League One. But I've watched this bit quite a few times this season, covering Hibs games. And I think he has... The biggest deficiency in this game, this campaign, has been that he's missed a lot of chances that he was taking last year. And I think that goes into the whole confidence thing. But overall, I think he's played... Sometimes it looks like he can't be arsed. There is that. But when he looks motivated and he looks like he's sharp, he's still, I think, often one of the best players on the pitch. And then you'll come away from the game and you'll be like, ah, I thought Nisbet played all right. And him fans will be like, no, nah, he was terrible. He was terrible. Because I think they're used to seeing the best of him. I think it was kind of similar at Easter Road when John McGinn was there. Obviously, not not the same player in terms of talent, but in terms of like a player who is clearly one of the better players in the team, but you become used to, to what how good they can be. So when they don't reach that level, you don't quite appreciate as much what else they're bringing to it. And I kind of thought, like I say, not on the same level as McGinn, obviously, but I kind of thought there were shades of that this year with Nisbet, where I was like, he's still not a bad player. He's still one of the better forwards in this league. He's playing on a team that's not very good, um, he, he's snatching at chances that are coming his way and he's also playing on a side that I think for a lot of the campaign didn't necessarily play his strengths as well I think if he doesn't show any sort of real setback uh, from his injury in terms of maybe in terms of eroding his confidence even more or, or giving him any sort of physical limitations then I think he'll come back next campaign and if Hibs are any good if Hibs are even decent again the top six side under Lee Johnson then I think we'll, we'll have Kevin Nisbet scoring 15 goals again and it'll be right up higher up in the list uh, in terms of this I don't think not had a great campaign but I don't think it was enough to, to fully write him off and, and to completely ignore him from, from a top 12 Yeah I think you, I think you make some uh, very good points and I do think I have been been very very harsh because I, I'm a really big Kevin Nisbet fan because there's times last uh, times this past season where I've watched him I'd, I've really enjoyed watching him and I felt like the stick he was getting from Hibs fans was 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 maybe harsh, and that that uh, that doubt by the Hibs fans and his injury and the missed chances all kind of weighed on me. But you you, you mentioned it when you start first started talking about Nisbet. Uh, if I had the choice between like Nisbet, uh, choice between uh, if I was starting a team and the choice between Nisbet, Ramirez, Van Veen, uh, Nubli, you mentioned, uh, I, would, I would include probably Anderson in this and Kendry as well. Was that I would have uh, I would choose Nisbet over them all, all day long. I think he's actually I think he's uh, developed quite well at Hibs out with his scoring. I think he's I think he's a really uh, good player. With his, he's back to goal. There is elements of uh, that reminds you of Liam Boyce in that, 
where it's sometimes it's quite frustrating to watch where he's doing a lot of really good work as almost like a number 10, but he's mm-hmm. not actually getting in to, to, to score in positions. His goal, yeah, it's inter- interesting that you, said, you mentioned the uh, kind of missed chances or the, the chances wasn't, uh, he wasn't taking the chances it was this previous season. Looking at it, I think he's got the biggest differential in terms of... Uh, Goals to expected goals. I think his expected goals is nine point five five. His goals, goal return was was five. So he can going by that over a longer period of time. He he will you normally return to return to form. So yeah, I have been. Uh, I think I've been very very harsh on this. But and you talked about if he was if, if he come back stronger. Uh, seen seen a picture of him. It sounds very creepy, but I've seen a picture of him on uh, on Instagram on holiday, and the boy is absolutely shredded. You should see the size of his biceps. My word! Think Connor Salmon had Curtis Mean. Wow. Okay. Lean, lean, mean fighting Kevin Nisbet machine next season. <laughs> yeah, it does look like his rehab's consisted of arms and arms only. <laughs> Uh, a lot of flying elbows Easter on next year, especially if Brian Portia sticks around. Anyway, who's you? you've said you're number 10 already, haven't you? Calm Henry. Yes. Yes, my number 10 is Bruce Anderson. Who is your number 9? My number 9 is Ellis Sims. Oh! Yes, I, 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 I'm a, yeah, I'm a Hearts fan that doesn't fully buy into the hype. Uh, been, Hearts fans, have been, uh, we've been stung, stung by this before, where a person's players come in on loan, and you th- uh, or he's uh, uh, just kind of strikers came in, and he's looked really good for six months, uh, and then it kind of kind of tails off. I think Sims has been a oh, fantastic signing. He's really, really awkward. Um, he's a really awkward character. Good focal point, and he's the type of player that Hearts need because he's one of those who can you can you can play him to feet. Sometimes his touch is a bit wayward, but the defender doesn't really know what he's going to do. He's got the strength as he showed against um, Paul Hamlin in the derby to hold off players. Uh, he can run in behind, and he can kind of uh, combine with with teammates. However, he misses a lot of chances, and I do, I, I think. I think that awkwardness could end up grating and I just wonder kind of longer term how effective he would be. His goal conversion is like I said, he's he's uh, has been really poor. I think he's he's missed he's missed quite a few chances. Yeah, it doesn't really uh it doesn't win a lot of offensive duels and doesn't create ma- um, much chances in uh for, for, for teammates. But again, if he's playing up with Liam Boyce, who does create chances with teammates, it, it doesn't doesn't really matter. It kind of weighs out. But I'm just I'm not fully on board this um, the Sims hype train. I get I definitely get where you're coming from. Uh, I think you make some decent points, and I do wonder as well. So obviously, I've got I've well, no, obviously, obviously, I've not I've not mentioned yet. But I'll say now, I've got him higher on the list than Boyce. Um, Oh really? And I, I I do need to uh, I do need to um, reconfigure my voice uh, selection because he is high. <laughs> for someone who's barely kicked, it's kicked a ball. Yeah, for I know. Yeah, and um, I have him. I have him higher, but I, I do kind of wonder as you're talking whether the kind of the cult of sim. Uh, sorry, Cult of Sims has been helped a lot by having Leon Boyce playing behind him um, because he has a naturally kind of more intelligent, 
creative player playing off him, and obviously he's got back oh, as well. So, so that so that definitely helps. And and Sims is Sims thrives having got guys like that behind him because he's all about his game. It's he's a strong running, his ability to run the channels, to run through clear on goal, to to beat defenders in one on ones through not only his pace but his strength as well. To to you know if he gets to the ball first and a defender gets there like roughly the same time, it's very hard to knock him off the ball. And he's very much a, you know, you get what you see kind of player. He, he runs, he runs hard. He's gets into good positions. Yeah, he can maybe score some of more of the chances that he gets, but he's still got some very good technique on him as well. Can score some very nice um, efforts as well. And he's good in the air. Uh, it's something I think we should mention as well. Uh, a lot of aerial duels had a very high success rate for them as well. Number two overall amongst all the forwards that we put into this. Long list, which I think was 38. So that's very impressive. But the reason I had them ahead of boys is that just when it came down to it this season and Hearts were wanting to improve as the second half of the campaign was going on, you didn't necessarily have to pick both of them. But Hearts were clearly a better team with Ellis Sims up front rather than Liam Boyce, I felt. So that was why he's higher for me. Felt much higher than Boyce, but he's higher for me on this list. I think I've got him number seven. Yeah, I do. Number seven. Yeah, that's where that's uh, that's where that's where I'll be having boys because uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock him down. I had him five, but I thought I just wild, just wild. Even with <laughs> my yeah, <laughs> even with my bias, so I'm, I'm knocking knocking him down to. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, Sims is nine for me. Right at number nine for me, I have Tony Watt from Dundee United. I have him at, have him at number eight. Right, cool. Right, so Watt. Could have been, could have been higher. Do you know what? Could have been higher than Sibs. Could have been higher than Boyce. I think the problem with what in putting him higher is a similar kind of similar kind of thing to Callum Hendry. Now, what was excellent for Motherwell, and of course he's pretty much his entire spell there. Yeah. But and he still, I thought he played well for United after he went there. But his goal return then became a bit of a problem, I think. And we've seen this with what before. Often, if he's not chipping in at least semi-regularly with goals. Now, obviously, he was on fire with Motherwell in the campaign. But if he's not, usually for his career in Scottish football, his career for football in general, is that he usually kind of bursts onto a scene, scores a few goals, doesn't get any more, and then that kind of starts to wear at him, and his performances dip as a result, and he ends up trying to do too much in the park. And I do worry about that for him at United going forward. And just going to United and not... Yeah, fair enough, he was played out on the left wing an awful lot. But he did that in Motherwell as well and still contributed a bit more goals. Again, maybe just different styles of team. Maybe not sitting them, you know, didn't have much around him at United in terms of creativity. He was really their kind of main creative force in attack in the second half of the campaign. So that's maybe weighed on him a bit as well. Um, but yeah, those kind of things accumulatively... I should maybe die, because, I mean, Sims isn't a... a <laughs> much of a like a sample size uh, to, to put in my head of, of what when you're kind of comparing that because I'm going to talk on, about comparing what to boys but with Sims it was just kind of really kind of simple about yeah this guy's gets you, this guy gets you goals this guy is a danger to our team he gets you goals what he's an excellent player to watch his control his ability to run with the ball his ability to jink past players to create for others some of the goals he scores, I mean, he doesn't score very often, but some of the goals he scores are phenomenal in terms of their technique. 
But when I was comparing them to Boyce particularly, because I wanted to have Sims above Boyce, and then I'd swayed between Boyce and Watt, and I just thought Boyce is just so much more of a back catalogue to, to lean back on and to say he will get the goals for us. And he he will not only get the goals, but he will do the other things, a lot of the other things that Tony Watt does as well. So in a toss-up between them, I thought Boyce is more reliable. But as I've already kind of mentioned, Tony Watt is a, a specially talented footballer. And it's been great to see that he's that he has kind of finally found himself and I hope that in his early days it still might be fine but I hope that it's not then been lost by the, the decision to go to Dundee United from Motherwell because I really thought he had set up, found the perfect situation at Fur Park Yeah uh, it's, it's, it's a weird one when he's moved to Tanadice because just thinking about as you talk there it's like there's lack of creativity but even at Motherwell there's a lack of creativity like their midfield wasn't a um, yeah uh, it was, it was quite, like a, wasn't a creative hotspot, so it was. But again, I just think the the way they played, Mullerwell almost played uh, played a front three. Whereas, I've just found Water just getting in uh, was 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 far. He just seemed to be further away from the action areas, uh, the the box for larger uh, periods uh, at United. When you're watching him, he's clearly made them a better player, and I do think that United will have to, to sign well to. Because I just felt that the United could have done with two Tony Watts, one outside the box, kind of one inside yeah. the box. I don't know if he was. I just felt like watching him. He was he was quite frustrated. Uh, at United, yeah. where he, he he was playing with a bit more freedom at Motherwell, which is completely understandable. Like I say he's he's gotten himself in great shape. He looks after himself. Uh, he looks after himself really well uh, physically. So. I think there's. I think he's a cracking player. He's a really intelligent forward. He wins. He he wins fouls. I was going to say he gets fouled a lot, but there's a lot of time he wins fouls. Uh, really, uh, really, really well. His first half of the season at Motherwell was was, was brilliant. I think he scored. Is it the live game against Dundee United on TV? Scored one of the best goals of the season. Just the the technique in which, and and how he took it. I just think he's a, a really f- a fun player to watch. Um, both. Around the box and and outside the box, and do think that he, there's a chance. Hopefully, if United sign uh, correctly, that he'll be higher up the list next season. Right. So that was my number nine. Who's your number eight? That was my number eight. Ah, uh, my number eight is Liam Boyce. In that case, so let's talk about Boyce. We've kind, of talked so, about, yeah, we've kind of talked about her already because it's just going to be like comparing yeah. them to other players. Um, I think for Liam, for me, Liam I, Boyce. Right, I know Hearts fans get a lot of frustrated with Boyce because, and I'm actually surprised his goal conversion rate wasn't like a lot worse. Like uh, he didn't figure out in like the, the bottom ten for me, <laughs> for bottom ten in terms of list. And that's maybe just says a lot about some of the rubbish on there. But he seems to have he's missed a lot of chances this season. It's kind of driven Hearts fans a bit mental, and he does kind of have a tendency. Especially when he goes through one on one with the goalkeeper to like never lift it, to always like mm-hmm. try to fire it through the keeper's legs or, or something, fire it low, and he's missed a lot of chances due to that. I think if he if you just have a bit more composure in those areas and lift it, which is weird to say because he definitely done that at Ross County, like he was just lethal all the time. So I don't know whether he's just having a bit of a dry campaign or whatever. 
Uh, but even then, he still scored, uh, I think, 16 goals in total. I mean, a few of them were penalties, but uh, I always say I don't think you should completely write off uh, penalty-taking ability because some players don't have the ability to do it and some players are rubbish at doing it. Liam Boyce isn't the most consistent of penalty-takers either, but it, it, the record's not horrendous either. Um, but there's just so much else that he, he does in terms of his all-round game because he is a good finisher uh, overall. Yeah, not the best campaigns for it. But he's proven over his career, good finisher, gets in a good position. Creative for his teammates, links up play very well. Um, works hard for the side. Um, holds the ball up decently well for somebody that could do everything. Good pass to the ball, good vision. Doesn't commit a lot of fouls, doesn't make a lot of stupid errors. Like, there's a lot going to Leon Boyce's game. And I'm pretty sure I said when he first kind of signed for Hearts, if Boyce had pace, then... He wouldn't be hard. Yeah, he wouldn't he would, he would be in this league, I don't think. Um, that's the only kind of major deficiency for his game, is that he really has kind of no pace, not even much of a burst to speak of. But he has so much else going for him. And yeah, I've had many, many arguments in the in the pub after Hearts games this season when there's always somebody that really doesn't rate Liam Boyce. And I, I don't... I get people... I get why people would be frustrated with him, but I don't get not rating him at all. I just I don't understand. Mm. Yeah, it comes down to Hearts sort of worst team when he's not not playing. He was excellent Scott's last season. Fight being a good example. Yeah, yeah, he was he was excellent in that kind of response from he was, he was rubbish in the semi final, and then he was he was really really good in the in the final, um, and then you show <laughs> try and play Andy Halliday in his position, and uh, that's what happens. He's. When he first came, uh, like last season, such a frustrating season for I think everyone at Hearts, even though he won the championship, and he tell he needed, uh, he was basically having to do uh, like two or three jobs, kind of similar to what we talked about with uh, Dundee United, by Barry McGuire coming in, and there was a real good relationship there, and you could see he could play close to the box, but if you restrict him just to be a, a number nine, I think that is, uh, I, th- I think you're you kind of. Uh, robbing him off his str- like a lot of strong parts of his game, and it is he is kind of a nine uh, between a nine and a, uh, like a, a number nine and a number ten because, like you say, he's a very intelligent player on the. He can get the ball, and then he can turn players. He can combine. He's got a really good uh, vision in terms of the like, kind of the picture in his head before the balls when the balls coming to him. He knows he knows what's around him. Uh, and yes, he's finishing it. It can be so so frustrating. He he's, should have scored to Courtney Weiss out four more goals than uh, than he did in the league. Although I think that might be kind of um, tweaked because of the the, the penalties he's missed. Uh, but they said with the pace, he's still got a good few years uh, a few years in him because he's he never really had to uh, operate with yeah. pace, so he's had to do. It's like Stephen McClay. He, yeah, he's had to has to has had to work on different uh, different areas of his game, and I think he will naturally just get deeper and just become a outright number ten eventually. But yeah, I I I, I can't get my head around why why the why fans uh, you wouldn't rate him. So that was my number eight. So you said your number eight, my, haven't you? Yeah, and that was my number seven. Boyce was my number seven. All right. Uh, man number seven was Ellis Sims. Where was Sims in your list? Oh, yeah, yeah, you had a Melly. Right, right, sorry. All right, right, that's what we talked about earlier. Don't know why I'm getting confused. <laughs> I'm this perfectly fine on every other show, and I'm just getting really confused at this point. Anyway, we're in the top half now. 
where I'm pretty sure we're both going to have the same six. And they're from two teams. Sorry for being boring. Yep. Joel tried to change it up, but then realised how silly that was. <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see what order we'll have these guys in now. So let's start with you, Joel. Who's your number six? Kamar Roof. Oh, I have Fashion Sakala. I have Roof one place ahead of him. Yeah, so I've I've got I've got I've got Roof six, Sakala five. I could easily switch it around, but big thing that went against Roof is the fact that he's not reliable. You just can't rely yeah. on uh, on Kamar Roof. That was it was a big thing when Rangers signed him. He's a very good player. He showed. I think he started off really well. And like he was fantastic at Leeds. But when it comes down to, you can't rely on him to be your 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 number one striker. Is he? He's good enough to probably be. He should he should be in the top three. His goal returns very very good. He gets shots on target. He can play in those kind of different attacking, um, attacking positions with Rangers when they have the ball. He can play as get a wider forward or a deeper forward, or he can play as as focal point. I think his movement is is really good around the box. But if you are not going to be available to your team uh, enough, then that's 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 a big problem. Came back scored against Hattrick against St Mirren, but then was with Morelos out for the remainder of the uh, season. He was effectively useless to uh, to, to Rangers. Um, was left on the bench for large periods of Europa League. Just wasn't uh, fit, final. Wasn't fit enough. Came off the bench and he kind of showed his his ability that you think if he could have started, then uh, it would have made a difference. So ability wise, he should be a lot higher up, but. He's not reliable enough, and then you compare him to Sakala, who, while he doesn't have anywhere near the quality of Roof in terms of a striker, in terms of kind of that intelligence around the box and it's finishing, he does offer Rangers a hell of a lot more. Yeah, I. The reason I had Sakala higher, sorry, the reason I had Sakala lower with Roof higher. Again, maybe a little bit of lifetime achievement. I thought I was more impressed with Roof last season. I don't think he's had a great campaign. A couple of reasons for that. His injuries have they've kicked up a little bit more this season than they did last last term. Also, it took a while for Van Bronckhurst to really kind of warm to him as well. So that, that kind of played a part in it. I kind of just had him higher though because... Still not entirely sure what Fashion Sakala is. <laughs> And that, that kind of went against him. He, he definitely has more strength to his ball. He's, he's excellent at running with a ball. He's somebody, like, not even that much removed for, for Roof in terms of somebody who gets away a lot of shots and scores a lot of goals and has a good kind of goals per 90 minutes ratio. And yeah. Surprisingly as well, uh, Sakal, I was surprised that he was number one for all the strikers in terms of touches in the box per 90 minutes, which I was pretty impressed mm-hmm. by because uh, the, you wouldn't usually think of that. You usually think of somebody who's kind of excellent at getting those tight areas with her back to goal and, you know, and not only, you know, getting the ball to, to try and get a shot away, but also getting the ball to, to link with teammates and to keep defenders away, even in those really congested areas, which obviously are for, for Rangers and for Celtic as well. And he, he does a bit more on the defensive side as well, Sakala, because mainly due to his kind of pace. I mean, Roof works quite hard for the team as well, but Sakala obviously is just that a little bit more rapid and can, and uh, is, uses his energy quite well to get in the face of opponents and disrupt them. But I just I can't really figure out: is he a forward? Is he a winger? <laughs> like I just can't. I yeah, can't. So does he, does he fit Rangers? Or, have, have I going against him too much because he does it for Rangers as much? Because they are going to be playing against yeah. teams that are sitting in a lot more. And if he's 
playing on a team that was able to hit a counter-attack would have been more devastating than Roof. I don't know, but I'm just still still figuring out Fascist Sakala 10 months after he arrived. <laughs> and, uh, I feel like I've got more of a handle on Roof and know what he is. And yeah, the injuries. Because I've got him... Because I probably would have had Roof. Because I probably still think he's a better player than at least one of the guys I've got ahead of him who's a Celtic player. But injuries, I think, I think he's, I think he's a better, better player. I think he's a better player than Maeda and Giacomacus. Yeah, and if so, he was, if he was fully, fully fit for a full season, he would be top three, and he's, he, you know, what? he could be challenging uh, for uh, the top position. I think he's, I think he's, he's capable of being that good, but never really going to, really going to know. If Ranger striking, he's with a big, like doesn't matter if you're Ranger striker playing for any team. Uh, if you've cost a decent amount of money, you'd be on a, a good wage. You need to be, need to be available, and he's played what. 21 uh, played 21 games um, to be fair he's actually played one more uh, certainly in the league than, uh, than than Furuhashi and the same as Giacomacus but uh, again their, their, their return has been uh, their impact on the team and their return has been uh, has been much higher uh, with Sakala he's just there's there's a chaos element to it he's, he's, he's very all action he will I don't think he'll ever be a consistent goal scorer I think uh, say for the next f- like five years at Rangers, I think he could. He, in four of those seasons, um, he'll probably hit between maybe uh, eight and fifteen goals in the league, and then there could be one season where he just there just hits a hot streak and he scores thirty three. Uh, there, there's something about him. There's something very Kenny Miller about him. Uh, I, I, I think where you could put him in different attacking positions and you'll know he'll probably carry out your uh, carry out the instructions do a job for you don't think he's going to be never be the most natural of, of finishers but he is a great squad player a really good player to have in particular uh, uh, particular circumstances especially if there's uh, a time in Europe you're not going to have a lot of the ball so I think he's, there's a lot of qualities but just like kind of pinpointing them down to a certain type of certain type of striker. I don't think he is one. I think he's just such a. It's all, all almost like a, a a chameleon as a forward. He can just he, he can kind of shape him into uh, whatever you want, and he should perhaps do the job most of the time. Yeah, I don't think that's all fair. Right, who's your number four? Uh, my number four is Dyson Maeda. Oh. Surprised. I've only got one place higher, but I'm surprised. No, he's, 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 he's good. <laughs> okay. He's good. My number four is... Uh, <laughs> he's just as... Maybe I've just fallen in love with... I suppose it's what you want. So, yeah. So, my, my number four. I, I look at my... I, I look at Maeda as he is a, he's probably a better version of Fashion Sakala. Maybe that's been a wee bit harsh on him, but there's 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 times watching him and thinking, and there's times when I watch him and thinking, are are you are, are you really good or are you just really good at running? And then I think that would be very harsh on him just saying, oh, he's 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 a he's a pest, great at running, but. Uh, I like him. I think he's. I think he's a good player. He's. Uh, he'll score. The good. The good thing about Maeda is, 
with the way Postacoglu plays, he's ideal for that. He's high energy, he gets in opposition faces. He can play, he can play anywhere. Probably you play him across the the front three. He's big thing wins offensive duels, um, makes himself available, gets a lot, gets on the ball a lot, uh, and he's someone who'll score goals and and create goals. Uh, but just, I just don't think he's good enough um, for my top three. He is. He's in my top three. I think he's. I think he's better than the player who I've got in number four, um, because I just think I just think he offers more to the team overall. And I know, kind of, it's this is kind of the hardest thing when judging forwards. I really wanted to have Joel Newbley on my list, to be honest, because um, he's just what he provides for the Livingston team is excellent. Like, and and ask any Livingston fans, does he does he need to actually score for you? No, he doesn't really because he. He does so much for the team, makes us a better team in general, creates a lot for teammates. And so there's the goal aspect of it in terms of judging forwards, how much stock do you put into just sticking the ball in the back of the net? Because we, mm. when we compare Maeda to, I'll just say my number four now because I think everybody can figure it out. Anyway, to George's Giacomacchus. Giacomacchus is undoubtedly a better, better goal scorer, better predatory finisher, probably a better uh, finisher in general as well. Um... But for me, Maeda brings a lot more to the team. His work rate is absolutely phenomenal. And the shift that he puts in, the, the, he is number one well, for every for every forward looked at. Number one for successful defensive actions per 90 minutes. He was the only like, Celtic and Rangers player to feature in like, the top 10. And he's number one. He was number one for position adjusted interceptions and number two for percentage of defensive duels won amongst all those forwards. For somebody who plays for Celtic, that's phenomenal. Like, that's just ridiculous. Not only, you said he could run with the ball. Can't just, like, run with the ball, but he can also beat a man while he's running with the ball. So he's not just, like, taking it for A to B. He can also get around players. He touches the ball an awful lot in the penalty box. He's shooting. Well, he's maybe not as predatory as Giacomacchus. He's, um, in terms of percentage of shots on target, he's also very high as well. And he does take an awful lot of shots. It's not like he's not a threat himself. And... Yeah, I just think he's an excellent player. And I just think in terms of the limitations, if you look at both of the players, I think Giacomacchus has more limitations to his game. And that's why I have Maeda yes. ahead of him. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that you have Giacomacchus in number three. Yes. Surely. Uh, so, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I've, I, I do have Giacomacchus at number three. And I, I agree that he has more limitations to his game than, than Maeda. But... When you look at the Celtic front line, you can play... So Maeda mostly plays as a kind of left forward, uh, or one of the wide forwards. You've got Leela Bada, Yota, and you can play Kyogo there. He, he, he kind of started his Celtic career uh, from the left. There's no one else... Well, they've got Albion Hayeti, but Giacomacchus is their kind of specialist number nine striker. I yeah. had... I had my doubts when when Celtic signed him because I just looked at his I looked at his goal scoring record and last season with uh, VVV Venlo or whatever they're called I think it was I think it's triple triple V Venlo or VV Venlo um, he had a great great return but that, I think it was his, the first time in his career that he's really um, really put a string of like just put a really good goal scoring season down and it came in the Netherlands and I'm just thinking red flag this is this is a guy who's um who's had one of those purple patch seasons and Celtic are, are signing him. He's came in and he's been 
he's been exactly what they wanted him to be and what they what they thought they were signing and not what I thought maybe would happen and he would come in and be a bit of a flop because there was that there was that concern early on in his career when he missed the penalty. Uh, I can't remember who it was against St Mirren maybe. Uh, it was late on. Um Maybe Dundee United. I can't remember. He missed a missed a late penalty, and I think Celtic ended up ended up dropping points. And you're thinking that's uh, that's a big concern for uh, for him because at that time you're thinking Celtic fans might begin to doubt him. But he's responded really well. I mean, one point oh four goals per ninety minutes is is, is mental. Um, he's got nearly zero point eight nine xg per ninety. He uh, scores with nearly a third of his shots. Hits a target with fifty, uh, more than fifty six percent of his shots. Uh, but yeah, he's like he doesn't. He's not like a a big focal point. He is. He is. He is Christian. He is what he's a striker that Christian Marida, uh, Christian Ramirez dreams he could be. Uh, but I just think you've got for Celtic and uh, to extent Rangers when you've got all these uh, players, these versatile attackers who can play wide, who can play uh, deeper ball, can play through the middle, you still need someone who is going to stick the ball in the back of the net, get into goal-scoring positions because at home, like home matches, especially home matches where it's tight, you, the ball's going to be in the opposition box a lot and you need someone who is is a striker who positions himself, positions himself well, has good movement, and Jakimakis uh, has been that, and he's, he's 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 been exactly the type of striker that Celtic uh, wanted, needed, and and got. Yeah, I mean that's all fair, but to me, it's still kind of picked up as being a bit more of a specialist than, than my either, which I had my either higher. Um, but I would also one more thing with Jakimakis, which really. Which was something that kind of raised my eyebrows and a, a, a kind of big reason why I had him yeah, as low down as I did. He was, I think he was like the only Celtic and Rangers player that featured anywhere near the bottom 10 in terms of expected assists per 90. Because usually they just figure high regardless of whether they're... He's a goal scorer. He plays for Celtic. We've got we've got goal scorers in like the Celtic and Rangers teams, who, guys who score plenty of goals, but they still don't it, figure it, in the it, bottom. I, I they still don't figure in the bottom ten for expected assists per night because they play for fucking Celtic. You should be you should be expected to set up people a bit more than that. Not if you not if you are the you're in that you're in that team to just score goals because Celtic have got they got David Turnbull they've got Callum McGregor they've got Rio Hattati they had Tom Rogic they've got James Forrest they've got uh, Leila Bada Yota uh, Maeda Kyogo all players who can operate outside the box they just Yakimakis is a player they they, they need Ky- to Kyogo, just score goals goal be self, he needs Abada, to be selfish goal scorer but also create Maeda goal scorer also creates. Does but none of them, does none of them score as none of them score as regularly as Jakimakis does. I did. Well, I was going to say, but somebody else has. But he's next on my list. <laughs> he's coming up on my list. No, it's, oh, but, um, no one. No one has a better goals per ninety. Uh, yeah, but rage, somebody's uh, coming very rate. close. Oh, somebody is second. He's, somebody he's, is second. Point, Somebody he's point nineteen away. He's he's points. He's he's points zero one nine away. Oh no. 0.19 away. Uh, right, okay. So, we're down our... Right, let's get that argument out of the road. We're down our top two. Uh, I think everybody knows who it is. Uh, it's either going to be Kyogo Furuhashi of Celtic or it's going to be Alfredo Morelos of Rangers. Who is your number one? It's, it's, it's obvious. It's always going to be... A, you could have a shit season and it was still going to be Morelos. <laughs> Same for me. 
<laughs> Celtic fans are just all turning off right now. Fuck this. Fuck this. <laughs> right, but we've both got Kyogo number two. Let's talk about Kyogo first. Yeah. I mean, see, uh, Kyogo, like, if Kyogo had played the entire season, I would probably have to have him number one. Um, but just too many injuries robbed him of, like, about half the campaign. Um, but when he, he plays, was, he's phenomenal. He was a player, I mean, so you seen him on TV, i seen him on TV a couple of times, but then I went to Celtic Park to cover the Celtic Hearts League Cup game. Uh, so I was, I was quite early in the season. And you're watching him, and he's one of those players new to the league and you're thinking shit he's very very good uh, and he's very very good at a lot of things he's he's, he's great at noising uh, noising opposition up but in a different manner to Morelos Morelos is kind of more in your face whereas um, uh, Kyogo is is not not subtler uh, he doesn't do it in a more subtle way but there's just uh, just different approaches to it you, you have to appreciate that his his pace is incredible. Just his brightness in the in the box. Just how quick he is to react to uh, to react to situations. How alert he is when he's running. His, his movements. One thing I noticed was his movements really good. Is that when he something I noticed really early on is that when he makes a run, uh, if it if he doesn't get it, he'll move back on side really quickly and then go again. Uh, you just you just think he's it was just an incredible piece of business by Celtic, and you wonder why. Surely all these top clubs around the world be thinking, "I'll look at the Japanese market," and surely they came across him. But fair play to Celtic, and you look at his stats are stats are absolutely in, uh, incredible. Yeah, I don't know whether like because he's not a federal but else. <laughs> And unless he <laughs> and unless he winds up so many opponents and gets sent off loads of times, he never will be. Um, yeah, with Kyogo, like I don't know whether it shows how good he is, or, or like maybe maybe it just shows how good he is that that he is both number two for goals per ninety out of all the forwards that in this long list we made. Number two for all forwards and goals per ninety minutes this season. But he's also number three in expected assists. That's why. That, that's kind of why I really kind of went to that and Jack and Marcus and thought, hmm, you should be a bit better. Because Kyogo is no doubt a goal scorer. He always looks to score when he's in the penalty, these positions around the penalty box. But when you play for Celtic, you need to, I just think you should be also trying when you're in a position to try and set up somebody else. <laughs> and he does it very well as well, as well as being a, an incredible, deadly finisher. He's number three for expected assists, number three for key passes as well. So he makes, he's great himself, he makes players around him better. He's electric to watch. His finishing ability is devastating. His movement is, his movement himself is just great to watch. Just seeing him scamper and some of the runs he makes, is, it's it just kind of, it's one of those ones where you just kind of hold your breath. Like if you're, if you're, Watching him because um, you just you know something good is going to happen and he's, but, he must yeah, be to, to have that balance of, of goal scoring and uh, creativity is exceptional and it, it will be regardless of whether Morel sticks around or not he'll be number one on I'm sure on this list next season if he can stay fit for the vast majority of it he he must be again it's, it's weird like so I don't there's when I was making this list I. I could easily had a uh, Kyogo uh, number one, but it's just it's it's bias. That's what's that's what has, what's uh, pushed Morelos to the top because I think they are uh, very much um, 
unequal, but they play in they play they've got kind of similarities, but in a different way. So Morelos is a nightmare to play against just because he's just constantly it's. It, it, he, he moves really well, but he's just constantly just engaging. He'll just engage you. Whereas Furuhashi, just, he must be a um, kind of psychological nightmare to play. Psychological nightmare to play against because <laughs> the amount of times he runs or he makes a run. He gives PTSD. He, he, he just, he just, he's a type of player you just, he, he can't switch up, uh, quick, can't switch off from because he'll drift. He'll make a run. He'll be offside, and then before you know it, he's making another run and another run and another run, and they're good runs as well. So you're like, do you try and play offside? Do you, play, do you try and drop off him? It just he asks, he asks so many questions of of defenders, as does uh, Mister uh, Mister Buffalo. <laughs> Alfredo Morelos, yeah, he's still. I felt kind of felt like it's a shame that kind of a lot of the the second half of his season kind of got disrupted a bit. Because I do feel like he was kind of having a a return to the Morelos we really kind of preferred. I mean, I know he done he done an excellent job in terms of and for somebody that pouts an awful lot as well and looks like it doesn't take an awful lot to make him unhappy. He really did like he didn't moan really much around. I mean, he always. I mean, he always goes back to Colombia and says how he wants to leave Rangers the next transfer window. Like, but he didn't. Like, he didn't cause any fuss in terms of the fact that he was asked to do, like, a deeper role. He was asked to sacrifice his own kind of stats for the team. And as somebody who was, like, properly the, the real talismanic figure, the guy who Rangers just used to throw the ball up to, especially in some European games, just throw, them, throw the ball up to Morelos, watch him absolutely eviscerate a defender, you know, turn him, bully him, stick his backside into him, knock him down, turn away, get the ball, you know, maybe not always score, um, because... Is when he can be a bit erratic in in that sense. He's 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 become more deadlier as his kind of Rangers career's gone on. But he's still, you know, he's still even this campaign. Even though I, thought, I kind of felt he was getting back to kind of some previous ties, his goal conversion rate wasn't particularly impressive for for a Rangers player. Um, but he then kind of went into that role under Gerard, where it was more just about dropping deep and kind of helping create space for others and, and using his undoubted ability to link play and also scoring goals as well. But just not being as much of that either focal point or as that kind of end product as it was, but we're getting back to that under Van Bronckhurst. And again, look, we say it every season, but it'd be great if he could stick around, especially now since Van Bronckhurst looks like he's going to use him more in that area. And we can maybe get a full season of, of Morelos just ragdolling defenders again, because it did kind of go out of his game a little bit. Uh, and also with maybe the kind of having to rein in his... What's the best way of putting it? Combustible ways. <laughs> I think he maybe lost a bit of that as well, but he seemed to all be coming together a bit before he, he kind of, then he had to kind of go away on international duty and then he was getting injured. And, uh, bit of a shame, but yeah, I'll still have him number one until until Kyogo himself is fit for an entire season and, and, and takes the belt off him. Uh, Morelos is still the, the, without a clear decision, Morelos is still the undisputed champion for me. The, when he said combustibleness, uh, I think the, just a phrase you're looking for is being a shit, uh, <laughs> which is which he's. I think when being a shit is he, when he plays when he's on that when he's on that fine line, there is there's there's no better sight and I think um, in terms of watching a player in Scottish football uh, than Morelos when 
oh, he almost feels slighted. That he's like, fuck it, I'm just going to have to uh, bully players and um, just just destroy people. I feel just the way the way it's transpired. You'll play fine. You, you never know, but the way it transpired, you never know how the, how we, his availability would have changed the dynamic, of, like the semi final and stuff. But if he was available for that final, just just the way it you looked at it, it's like they would have won that if they yeah. had Morelos. Uh, if they had Morello starting, he was he was he was fully fit. Especially, he just he just I think he just tra- he's he's a transformative figure. He has been uh, f- for Rangers for uh, a lot probably since he's uh, since he since he arrived, and especially on the European uh, European stage. And it's a shame because he was doing he's done so well on the European stage to miss out on like the 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 biggest matches that Rangers have been involved in since he's since his time uh, joining them, but. The the second half of the season prior to his prior to his injury, I think it was it was so good to watch. Uh, I thought I thought you were seeing the the probably the best balanced, so the 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 most balanced and best version of Morelos, um, most refined in that he was scoring goals a game. He was being he was engaging defenders, ragged on defenders, but he was still. He was still being that kind of focal point striker who was. Not was, there was there's always a selfishness about Morelos, especially when he gets a chance around the box. But there's also uh, he also shows real um, uh, selflessness uh, in in his work and he's running outside the box. He's always making himself available for uh, for a pass, and you've seen it with no no player received more passes per ninety minutes. Um, and it wasn't even close than Morelos, and it just still shows you how important it is to the way Rangers build up that he'll offer. And he was so good at getting into that, um, moving from the the final third uh, back into the middle third and receiving a ball and kind of playing it around the corner and then driving himself without the ball in into the box, looking for, uh, looking for another, uh, looking for another pass to get a shot away. Uh, the most shot a shot assist per ninety minutes as well in in the league. He is. More than just a goal scorer now, he, uh, I think no no player uh, assisted more goals. No striker, I don't assisted more goals than Morelos across uh, across the season. I just think there is, he, he's seen it that he is he's, he's he, I think he's always been border on a complete striker. But those those few moments prior to his injury, I just thought you were seeing the best the best of uh, Morelos, and be just again interesting to see if he uh, if he hangs around and if he can find that again under under Van Bronckhorst because. Rangers are going to have to spend a hell of a lot of money to to replace what he gives them. Right, Joel, thank you very much for joining me. No problem. And thank you to everybody for listening. I hope you've enjoyed all these top 12s that we've done. Well, obviously, they'll be back and kind of to, to run through them again next season. You're also wondering what the hell are we going to do? The season's done, um, but there will still be Terrace Podcasts. Um, there will there will certainly still be Patreons going up over the summer, so if you want uh, your your weekly fix, that is www.patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. But we will still be having some free to air ones. We do have our end of season awards show, as is our tradition, which we'll be recording tomorrow, and I'll either put it on Saturday or Sunday, and then we will also have a free-to-air podcast that will be going out after the Ukraine game and hopefully one after the Wales game uh, and if not we'll do one more I would say looking at the Nations League camp- campaign the three Nations League games that will then follow the playoffs 
uh, as a whole, um, regardless of, of whether we, we manage to, to get to the final and, and face Wales or not. So th- there's that to look forward to. If not, those will be the last podcast from us until near the start of the, the next league campaign. Uh, what I will also add, though, is that we will be putting up some kind of classic podcasts from the vault. There was a there was a, uh, a bit of a, a, a kind of miscommunication and a bit of a technical error I ended up with, a, a bit of our back catalogue being deleted, but we still have it uh, on file. So I'll be going through some of them and sticking them up just kind of randomly. So make sure to keep an eye on the feed for, for some of them. Uh, some, I'm sure they'll provide some kind of interesting time capsules. And I'll probably stick in like a couple of, you know, a couple of these lists from like 2014 <laughs> and you can really hear how much we've grown as uh, football analysts <laughs> since then some of the piss we're coming out with some of the players we were picking that should be a good laugh so yeah a lot to look forward to but Patreon is definitely the place where there will be content going up consistently throughout the summer so that's where so if you're not a subscriber already please please go on it and that'll do us thank you Joe and thank you to everybody for listening if you don't feel here from again soon I hope you enjoy your summer cheers Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.